You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. If it's Moitzai Shabbos Kodesh, this must be Rizchal Daisa. I'm here with Rabbi Yisif Gabriel Bechofer, the Rav of Anshe Palisades, and Let's just go to the program. <laughs> <laughs> you know, on the heels of last week's grumpiness, um, I, I wanted to talk about something that that I know uh, concerns uh, many, many people in, in, in the in the in the world of Torah, and and that's how they make parnosa in a way that is honest and is not only honest. In terms of Dimi de Malchusa, but also, of course, ethical and Parsha. Yaakov champions his work, his work ethic being of the highest value. And, and it's obviously something that um, uh, we can look towards in terms of being a Shoymer, in terms of caring, even in the job you don't like. Um, I know that uh, you know, there is quite a, a lot to say about Yaakov as the Golis Jew, Yaakov as the um, and the outcomes. Today, um, my uh, daughter-in-law, as we are, as correct, you pointed out correctly, we are, we're actually Palisades for Shabbos. My daughter pointed out, or my son, son and daughter were together, pointed out that um, there is a new fraud in the development uh, up and coming in the Jewish community. Evidently, there are a lot of federal, federal funds available for programs for children who have some sort of issues. And there's all sorts of programs opening up in Rockland County for these children to exploit uh, the federal funding which is available. And uh, the, uh, we unfortunately, we are witnesses for regularly from time to time where uh, segments of the Jewish community uh, get uh, involved in fraud. Uh, and I don't know, you know, perhaps a lot of times they're innocent. There was just, I got an email today from uh, some uh, uh, fundraising organization about um, a, a million dollar fund for Pidyon Shlim Lakewood, who's uh, being sued because his, his, his uh, not sued is wrong term, is being prosecuted because the school is supposed to have taken millions, or he's supposed to have taken millions from his school, or in some sort of... Uh... I, it's money laundering is what's going on there. It's a money laundering trial, and I've also gotten the same emails, how desperate they are to come up with money for Revisement's trial. Right. So... Um... Years ago, when I wanted to publish something, I, I, I wasn't a specific article. It was like, an, uh, uh, I don't remember exactly how, how it tied into an article. I wanted to publish something about honesty and how we all have to be honest in business. And I probably wanted to, I'm guessing I wanted to go to Smog, who says that the Eurek the HaGolus is because Amiso rips off the Jews, the, the non-Jews, and that Chil Hashem is a horrible thing, and it extends the goals further and further and further. And uh, Smag and Mitzvah say, I am Dalit, very famous. Uh, the, uh, I want to give credit where credit is due and say the first time I heard it, I heard from Rabbi Artisio Solomon. And uh, the, uh, the, the, one of the members of the editorial board of the Jewish Observer, of course, he's no longer, not the editor, one of the members of the editorial board, uh, who, other whom are no longer with us, that he said to me that he, under his auspices, he will not allow the Jewish Observer to print anything. Uh, concerning honesty in business, because although he himself, of course, uh, condo- condemns dishonesty in business and will never condone it, nevertheless, he understands where the 
uh, desire to rip off rip off the goyim comes from, and how the uh, originates in the persecution which Jews underwent in Golos, uh in all these countries in Eastern Europe, and even though it's wrong, it can be understood, and therefore it's not something which we should say anything about because it's something which is not going to change, which at the time was very very um, uh, distressing to me. Still is distressing to me to this day, but the point is that somehow. It's become mushrash in certain segments of Am Yisrael, and I think that the, the, the segments go from A to Z, the, across the entire spectrum of ostensible religious ex- uh, observance, in which uh, people will actually feel that uh, it is okay in various shapes and forms to uh, rip off the guy and rip off the government, or be otherwise dishonest in one's business deals. Unfortunately, just want to add one other part, which is that it's not necessarily limited to Orthodox Jews, and uh, as you see in this last week with this scandal with this FTX and the Sam Bankman Freed. So um, uh, uh, the uh, this guy who said was a tremendous altruistic uh, person who was giving tremendous amounts of stucca. And he had this Bitcoin company where it turned out that he, much of the assets of the company disappeared into the thin air. Billions of dollars were lost. Many investors were hoodwinked and ripped off. To the stereotype that the Jew is, as the Nazis and others said, the Jew is this terrible parasite who controls uh, the levers and rods of the banking industry and also is able to write the contracts in these ways to actually appear as if he's done nothing. Meanwhile, he's got his hand in the other pocket, taking everything, siphoning everything away. Um, and, and you're right, the 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 idea of the Jew as the ultimate shark who is somehow able to navigate the waters um, and needs to navigate the waters as whoever this guy from Jewish Observer told you, because otherwise they would have been crushed by uh, the, the overwhelming force of the non-Jewish world that is against us. It's the only thing we have is somehow our wits and our brains and our ability to be a shyster. Uh, you know, I, I get it. It's been uh, developed. And I think there is some actually in my heart, I believe that in some ways that he is correct, your erstwhile mentor, that some of, my erstwhile uh, contact. contact. But the point is, there was something of that in certain countries where there wasn't any real honest dealing from the government versus us. We knew that they themselves, the government themselves, uh, were guilty of canards and various machinations dressed up as if they were regulations. And the Jews sort of, in Paltal, they had to sort of like, you know, pretty much uh, react. Similarly, many of the Jews coming from, from Russia and other places were used to the graft and the greed. And it, it, really the whole system was meant to sort of like take advantage. And when they came over to this to these shores, hmm, well, it seems like, you know, it, it, it's business, so to speak, as usual. Uh, he's not into, uh, as opposed to Jews being involved in nursing homes, uh, but he was, he had a friend who, to, to, who asked him to come along and take a look at a nursing home. I don't remember it was, upstate New York or something like that, doesn't really matter, and for investment purposes. And, uh, they went to this nursing home, which was run by a nice, I think, Catholic couple. And it had a tremendous amount of uh, wonderful staff, tremendous amount of um, uh, 
good, good care, tremendous amount of uh, uh, tip-top uh, 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 conditions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And um, my chavusa told the uh, his friend, he said, you know, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. I, I don't know how you make any money off of it because the overhead is extremely high, uh, but it's a wonderful place. So his friend went to somebody else, a nursing homeowner, and this nursing homeowner called my chabrusa and said to my chabrusa, you don't know what you don't know what you're talking about. This is a gold mine. I'll explain to you how. And he was very serious. He said, they have lights in every fixture. You don't need lights in every fixture. You just take, 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 take put up half the lights, and people are not going to notice. They're overstaffed. You don't need to have all, all, all that staff. You will cut slash the staff, and you'll have uh, they, because all the people don't realize anyway. They don't care. They don't understand whether it's uh, going on around them. They won't notice if their diapers aren't changed as frequently. And Kahala, uh, you know, they, they have top-notch sanitary conditions. They don't need such top-notch sanitary conditions. They can have, they can use, uh, uh, you know, second-rate stuff, et cetera, et cetera. And he went through all the laundry list of all the things which can be done and should be done in order to make the, the nursing home profitable. And uh, uh, and uh, how by slashing all these costs, it would be a gold mine. And holy blow markish, and no busha, no. Uh, no compunctions. He was being completely, so to speak, honest about how he would run this nursing home, and that's uh, uh, and uh, make lots of money off the government. And and I, as someone who, first of all, knows quite a bit about this, first of all, through the fact that I was a rabbi mafker in a nursing home. Secondly, as a dian for many years, and many nursing home owners have appeared for us. In Besden. So I know about some of the inner workings and the dealings that, that, that occur there. Um, and this is really what I wanted to talk about. I, I did want to say first, before we get on to that, um, that there is something about uh, the Jewish uh, business acumen and I would say Talmudic understanding of Shtoreis Minhogim and other things that is really tied into the Yaakov Lovin experience. I, I don't want this to be a, a a conversation in Torah, but I do believe that there is the oh, yeah, the, it's yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 the kernel of, and even more than that, the actual dynamism of Talmudic thinking, I think, begins with Yaakov and Lovin's sechsuchim about. What what did I say? Was it their opinion in Rochel? Was it only a matona? What was the minib to be kaveh? I think that part of the reason why the Torah gives us this arichus is to tell us that the tamimus of shame ve'aver needs to be solidified and actually maybe even replaced by the gritty havana of of toyin v'nitan uh, that I that was really germinated into Yaakov and to Klal Yisrael through Tata Lohan. And I think that this is something which I, I, I can talk about at length at a different time, but that is definitely, unfortunately, open to excess and is open to some of the ugly things that you are talking about. Yes, we have been, in a way, the the, the side of business understanding and economy and, let's say it, profiteering in a way, but not profiteering in a negative way, making the most of what is, understanding is, for yes, the Jews have been at the forefront of that, and I think the brains behind that 
produce a great lambdin who can be oisin and bava metzia, bava bas, bava kama, but also can produce the other thing that you're talking about. Let, let me add one last thing here. Um, nursing homes are not only this gold mine for the Jews who say, hey, let's purchase this and we'll make money. Um, and by the way, the money is not just made by cutting the fluorescent lights and having second rate diapers, but it's also by the Medicaid and understanding how to get more people in, how to staff the, the numbers, uh, how to juggle the books and work it in a way that everyone is, uh, is getting pumped for the, the, all what Medicaid allows. Uh, that's, that's something. Um, and what also happens, Rabbi Yosef, is that many B'nai Torah uh, who marry into these families or are looking for Parnassah after a couple of years in Koyal, they end up as administrators in these nursing homes. I don't know what the number is. We talked last week, of course, about what should B'nai Torah do when they're not being hired. There are many people who, are, who, who spent years learning who are now administrating nursing homes, who have never gone to college, who've never really had a degree in anything resembling the medical field, except a couple of weeks course that they took for, uh, to get certified as a nursing home administrator. And then they are thrust, or th they thrust themselves into this extremely profitable affair where they don't really care that much at all about the, the halachas that they were, that, 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 that birthed them, the halachas that were part of their lives. And I've seen this, uh, again, as, as a rabbi maksha of a nursing home that I worked for. And again, I was, I was fighting for my own uh, position and for my mashkiach. And I said to, I sent messages to, through the administrator, who was a kailul guy, a former kailul guy, and to the head of the nursing home, who was also a chassidah shayid, that how can you operate this nursing home in an area that you definitely will get Jewish clientele and not be kosher, because you realize that they, you can tell them, oh, we can give you airline meals, we can give you catered mazon meals or whatever it is, but they aren't going to take that. And therefore, you're going to have a populace that is also consisting of Jews that you're going to be feeding treif. You're going to be Michael Tarfus to them because they aren't going to go for that option. They're not from, they're not religious, but they're Jews. And they're under your, and this is not a question of, 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 of Lifna Yiver. Right. <laughs> as, as, right? and, and, and it fell completely on deaf ears. Let me say it even further. I went to the Paisik of this Siddisha owner. And he was a Pesach Mufursim in Klal Yisrael. He's in the Oyama Emmas now. And he said, well, look, they could always ask for it. I, I, says, I stayed at one of them when I wasn't well. And I got, I ordered these foods from, you know, from, from, from the Jewish, from the kosher catering. And I said to the Rav, I said, but, but what about the people who aren't you, who don't know? There's going to be people who you're going to be feeding, they're going to be eating trade. He says, look, I'm not really his Pisic. Oh, maybe <laughs> that's what he said. I know him. I'm not really his Pisic. Uh -huh. He must have someone else that he's relying on. Administrator who hired me, not the one who I eventually dealt with. The Frum Chassid who hired me, um, hired me when the 
uh, nursing home was officially kosher, and he wanted to upgrade the kashras. And we served kosher to everyone, even th though most of our clientele were not, because we knew we had a, 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 a significant amount uh, of, of Jewish clients. Now, eventually, when they realized that that number kept on getting smaller, they decided that the nursing home would not serve kosher, and the nursing home would not be kosher. And that meant they didn't need me to be the rabbi matcher or my or the full-time mashkiach. So they just basically served trave. Um, and uh, yeah, that was now, yeah, well, again, it's not so much it, 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 what was what was incredible was you know the deaf ears. It also that the, the, the administrator who hired me uh, went to what he said was a much better job. I said, What's that? He said, I'm gonna go work for a hospice. You know, for a hospice? Yeah. Now, as someone who knows a little bit about hospices as well, through uh, my sister being forced to be in a hospice uh, through her conservator, uh, I know that hospices are a tremendous cash cow. Uh, there is an article in last week's New Yorker uh, that is probably still available by Ava Kaufman, who is a writer for ProPublica as well. And she exposes the excesses and the lack of regulation and the terrible things that go on in hospices. Now, Ava Kaufman is a, is a left-wing writer. She doesn't care a whit about, about Jewish issues about end of life. But can you imagine? Here we have from people that are owning and managing hospices where not only are, forget about feuding people trafe, you're killing people. Hospices are places where, as you know. Um, well, I just want to say that my experience with my mother with the hospice is very good. I have that. That's um, when she uh, uh, in the, the Bronx, I forget what its name is called, some Catholic hospice, but it was very a positive experience. I mean, relatively speaking. Right. I, I, but, but, but hospices make money off of getting people a, a, uh, a diagnosis that they aren't going to live. Um, and they get to get some doctor who's going to sign off on that. And then they get as many names rolled in it because although they are funded by Medicare, they aren't regulated anywhere near as the nursing homes are. They don't have to be visited as often. And it is, it, it's one of the most profitable areas of healthcare. It's in, in the last 25 years, it's probably uh, increased exponentially uh, you know, 200 or 300%. People are offering hospices uh, to be sold consistently as, as a great way to make money. Uh, now, you're right. The idea when you have someone who there's no hope for, and it's clear that there's nothing can be done, the hospices, um, instead of overloading and being messiah a person, allow a person, and this is really the whole idea of the hospice, uh, when it was founded by uh, the, uh, those, those women in England to die with dignity, uh, to be able to die with Alaska pain, with a sense of humanity, and surrounded by your loved ones, as opposed to people in white coats and things like that. Uh, and that's an idea that rang so many bells in people's mind that no one really wants to do that type of investigation because people think, oh, the hospices are doing tremendous work. On the other hand, there are people who are forced into hospice, who are, or who are put into hospice and don't realize it. And there's nothing that can be done because once 
the hospice, you're, uh, you're under hospice orders, these uh, the patients there are not able to get um, painkillers like morphine. They're not able to get anything except uh, palliative care as opposed to something that could cure and turn things around. There are many, uh, as we know, in Chaim Aruchim, uh, which is a wonderful organization out of Lakewood, and others are fighting tooth and nail the doctors and the profiteers of hospices who are, who are basically um, uh, taking in people and uh, convincing them that the type of what we know al-pihalocha is demanded for end of life is actually cruel and primitive and terrible. And, uh, and there are people who could continue to live longer lives and lives that, again, you have to have a shikamadas and have a, a shaywa from Rabbonim and Tamil Chachamim and Poskim, but hospice care in general, Rabbi Yosef, is, a, is the Wild West. Uh, there are whistleblowers galore who are raking in money uh, because of what they're exposing. Uh, and, um, and for Fruma Yidin, look, I'm not, I don't deny that the Bronx hospice that your mother was shown was in was run outside of Yisrael. But is this the area for good Jewish boys? Is our nursing homes and hospices that are part of now of that, is this the place where good Jewish B'nai Torah should be involved in? And let's say it even clearer. Hello, Chicago. Should this, <laughs> hello, Chicago. Should these, are these the people that should be supporting totally and completely all the terror institutions to the point that no one can say any sophisticated communities that have mafansim from other areas. But there are cities like Chicago and others where the cadre of nursing home owners, and many of them are wonderful people. If you shalashidis to sit at a tish with, to come to a shear with, but the but the but the area that they are involved in is so fraught with fraud with Geneva Shishtik and real cruelty because I have, I as a Mashiach and as a Ravan Akshir in these homes, I have seen the, the attitudes that unfortunately developed by administrators and by others. It is, it is, it, man is, is, is an understatement. So, and I, I would venture to say that the person you mentioned earlier was afraid of the fact that these these people they they have for years wielded incredible power in the Jewish world because of the tremendous amount of profit that one can make from it, and they and they have a tremendous source in some sense of the of the yeshivas and of the moistus and the koyulim and the yungalait and the bnei Torah here in Eretz Israel that they've supported. But let's call a spade a spade. This is right. This isn't. This is a place where that would they be able to come and say that this is an area that that, that is an umnus nikia vakala? I don't get it. I, I, a couple of years ago, I read the news article, I was thinking to myself, oh, the next generation started going to jail. <laughs> and it, 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 again, this takes nothing away from the, the billions of dollars that have probably been pumped at the yeshivas and kailulim, but it's tainted. It's tainted, and it's it, 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 it still, as you say, um, it continues to generate the ugly image of, you know, of, of the nursing homeowner is just really 
really standing over the bones of uh, of the poor and decrepit who can't really make any other decisions. Um, you know, the, the, the reason, as you read Ava Kaufman's article, it becomes clear that life, an end of life, it's a scary thing to think about. It's almost like an area that, you know, this is this is the dirty side of, of, of being a human being, is what happens when children can't take care of parents anymore. And because of issues of, of, of incredible longevity, but if, if you've been through the nursing homes and you realize what goes on there, um, it, it, it's astonishing. Is there a better answer? Is there something else that could be done? You, you, last week, we bemoaned the fact that there's nothing we can do. Okay, now I ask you, what can we do about all of this? I, uh, you know, I, I don't know what we can do about it because uh, uh, the, the same people then, as you mentioned before uh, um, in passing, are the ones who are the ones who honored at the dinners. You know, the, the yeshivas need them. You know, they're, and they're, they are ones which then become uh, the, our, our Lord is the big Balei Chesed at the same time that the Chesed they're doing is with uh, sometimes with ill-gotten gains and inputs upon Tzavtzev. I don't know that they, what they actually can be done about this. You're not going to change besides which, that's A, besides which, of course, uh, you're not going to change the system and Yeshiva Bacher is not too capable for the most part of doing other jobs other than these types of jobs uh, as it, uh, when they uh, finish their long years in Kailu. So um, uh, another one, another reason is also that, you know, with the cost of being an a Orthodox Jew just rising and rising, people rationalize and say, I have to make a living. I have to be able to survive. I can't survive without Right. And if I'm not going to be the administrator, they're just get some other guy who's going to be the administrator do the exact same thing. So it might as well a Jew who's getting that Who's getting the, the the paycheck or whatever it is that they you know the percentage uh, of the profit sharing? Um, look, you know, I, I don't know if the real estate field, which is like I guess another area that many koilu uh, or yeshiva ever go into, uh, the flipping of buildings. Um, but at least there, we're talking about the mecca hashuk. We're talking about uh, okay, all right, you know, ain't no lekarkoyas. All right, so you flip it, you buy it. Um, there, there, there isn't the seedy ugliness of of profiting over uh, over human beings, um, you know. So again, can, can I say that in this in, in the in the flipping of the real estate market that there isn't a little bit of wheeling and dealing going on? Yeah, and, and again, there's also people again, as, as the Village Voice and others will tell you, that there's all these from uh, uh, apartment building owners uh, who aren't uh, aren't sensitive. Uh, to the to the needs of their of their tenants, and they're letting uh, uh, garbage accrue, and they're not really fixing anything, and, and, the, and, and the and the rates of the rent. We hear that as well, but I, I think when when you're dealing with uh, people who are either before end of life or in a situation where they can't even make decisions for themselves properly, and are 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 in, in a place that is so, it's so tragic to walk the halls. I can tell you as the Rabbi Maksha of the nursing home, I made sure not only to view the kitchen, but also to go in, up to all the floors and wherever there was a firm or even any sort of Jew, 
uh, again, I, I, trans Jews, uh, gay Jews, I did whatever I could to visit them. In fact, there were people who would say, Rabbi, come visit me, and I would. I did not need to open Shari Tshuva, Rishas Chochmah, Mesilis Yisharim, or any of those farm during my uh, role, during my, my gig as, uh, as a, as a Rabbi Machshir. Every time, every day that I came home, I thought about I understood what it meant, uh, uh, how precious life was, how to use it. And unfortunately also, uh, uh, the, the plight of so many of these, uh, of these persons, people not visiting them. And when I would speak to the, the staff, I realized that in order to really survive there, and I'm not judging them, in order to survive there, they have to develop such a thick skin, such a thick skin, and because otherwise they would be overwhelmed. And, and therefore they sort of, I'm not saying they joke about the people, but they can't allow themselves. What we would say is a normal yeah, compassion. Have to dehumanize them in order to in order to survive with themselves. No. And, and that, they, that, I don't know when they come home and, and, and get ready for the mikvah, if that's not going to be with them. It has to be. So there's, there, there's, there, there's the ill-gotten gains. There's the attitude towards human beings. There's the attitude towards Jews and, 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 that are there that aren't religious. There's the dismissive of, of the non-Jewish staff. There's so much wrong with this area. I mean, could we see Yaakov, Tata Yaakov talking about that? I mean, he was there with the Tzayim. Again, he was there taking care of Tzayim, taking care of the Akudim, the Kudim, and Berudim, right? You know, it was Taka Tov, it was Taka Kereach, it was Taka, it was Taka, right? But, but doesn't Yaakov show us that this is the type of Avaida uh, Begolas that the Rabbeinu Shalom loves? This is the Avaida that the Rabbeinu Shalom as we saw, Yaakov showed us that you can become a burach, and you can become, you could talk and become an osher, you could talk and have tzayin, ushlochais, and the Rabbi Nishon rewards that type where, you, you a, a fool, that type of honest, where enachinami, you can't be a simple fool. You have to have a certain amount of savvy understanding, but it has to be always, not in the side of Laban, it has to be clearly, yes, it was completely alpidin, and also, not just uh, in the letter of the law, but also in a way that doesn't dehumanize you. So I think that there is... Tonight is, of course, being Matsuri Shabbos of the Aguda Convention. I'm sure the Yudayim are out there on mass making statements about what Klai Yisrael needs and what Klai Yisrael should do. Uh, some of those statements I'm sure we'd agree with, some of them we, dis- we would disagree with. But here we are in our own Matsuri Shabbos keynote session, and we are now saying something uh, uh, about our opinion of what Klai Yisrael uh, it suffers from what Klaiso has to correct, and uh, I don't think our opinions are any less authoritative than the ones espoused by those people today at the Agoda Convention. Well, I, I, I can't second that because I don't have as high opinion of myself as you do of liar, yourself. Liar, 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 <laughs> I definitely am not going to say it. Even if you think I, I do not believe it. But I, can't, I, can't, I can't bring myself to say it. What I will say is I would hope that, um, if you would say it, you go much further than I would. So you're trying to hold back. Uh, end here. Just um, we talk about the Gedele Yisrael, and I want to respect totally this Nifter's Rotzain, uh, the 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 Machaber 
of the Bariya Shulchan, Rav Shraga Fagel Cohen, Zechariah I I don't want to add more Tyrim than he wanted, um, and he was very makbid on his family, but I will say that when we talk about G'dayla uh, Yisroel, and we, Divreim Heinem Zechroinam, and uh, revival uh, refused to have any espadim and have any arochis, and even when it comes to you know any yard site, and um, the family is trying to figure out exactly how uh, to to respect that. But isn't it wonderful to see? And I'm not making any comment about how great he was and the his profundity or the the conversations I was able to have with him uh, and asking him shaylos and hilchos um, but isn't it great that we have a, a symbol just of 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 of, of, of humility, like a five call? And I would just I just want to leave it at that. So that's it, my friends. Rabbi Sai, take care. We'll hopefully catch you uh, next time. Take care, everybody. Be well. Bye bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 